Welcome to Criminal Sentencing Law. My name is Elise Methven and I'm a lecturer at UTS Law Faculty. This is the first of a series of podcasts on the criminal law sentencing process in New South Wales. In this first podcast, we will look at preliminary matters in the lead up to a sentencing hearing. In the following podcasts, we'll examine the sentencing process in more detail. We will look at issues such as the burden and standard of proof for facts taken into account in a sentencing hearing, the purposes of sentencing and key sentencing principles, making submissions on sentence, sentencing options, aggravating and mitigating factors, assistance to law enforcement authorities, and the consideration and timing of a guilty plea. We will also be discussing recent New South Wales reforms on sentencing options and early appropriate guilty pleas. For the most part, I will be referring to laws and procedures that apply to adult offenders charged with an offence contrary to New South Wales criminal law, as opposed to juvenile and federal offences. The primary focus will be sentencing that takes place in New South Wales local courts, where the vast majority of sentence hearings take place. A sentencing hearing will occur in the New South Wales local, the district or the Supreme Court, depending on the classification of the offence as summary, indictable or strictly indictable, and elections made by the prosecution or the defence. In relation to this issue, you should consult Chapter 5 of the Criminal Procedure Act and read through Table 1 and Table 2 offences in Schedule 1 to the Criminal Procedure Act. In New South Wales, we draw a distinction between summary offences, which are generally less serious offences such as offensive language, offensive behaviour, or custody of a knife in a public place, and indictable offences, which refer to more serious offences such as larceny or assault occasioning actual bodily harm. All criminal charges start in the New South Wales local court. In the local court, a magistrate sits alone without a jury, and the magistrate must decide matters of fact and law. Whether a charge proceeds to the district or to the Supreme Court will depend upon whether they are tried as a summary offence or indictable offence. So as to alleviate trial backlogs in the district court, there has been an increasing push by New South Wales Parliament to allow indictable matters to be dealt with summarily, in other words, in the local court. Criminal prosecutions are commenced via the issue and filing of a court attendance notice in the court registry. The court attendance notice is commonly referred to by the acronym CAN. The CAN will contain details of the defendant, the prosecuting police officer or officer in charge of the matter, the apprehending officer, a description and particulars of the offence that the defendant is accused of, and the date the time and the location at which the defendant is required to attend court. A CAN must be served on a person under section 177 of the Criminal Procedure Act. For a summary offence, the CAN must be filed within six months of the offence, pursuant to section 179 of the Criminal Procedure Act. There is generally no time limit for indictable offences. The District Court is the next highest court after the New South Wales Local Court and following that, the Supreme Court. 
The New South Wales Supreme Court operates at both divisional and appellate levels. The Supreme Court only deals with the most serious of criminal offences, such as murder or large commercial supply or importation. The High Court is the highest court and is the final court of appeal. The classification of an offence will procedurally determine how the matter is dealt with on sentence. In the criminal jurisdiction, excluding traffic matters, offences can generally be divided into four types. Firstly, there are summary offences, such as those listed in the Summary Offences Act. These matters must be dealt with in the local court. Secondly, there are Table 2 offences. These offences can be located in Table 2 of Schedule 1 to the Criminal Procedure Act. They are indictable offences that are to be dealt with summarily, unless the prosecutor elects otherwise, under Section 260 of the Criminal Procedure Act. In other words, only the prosecution can elect to have these matters dealt with on indictment, outside the summary jurisdictions. They include a number of offences against a person, such as assault occasioning actual bodily harm, contrary to Section 59 of the Crimes Act, as well as property offences such as larceny, where the value of the property does not exceed $5,000, under Section 117 of the Crimes Act as well as a number of other listed offences. Thirdly, there are Table 1 offences. These offences are listed in Table 1 of Schedule 1 to the Criminal Procedure Act. They are offences that are to be dealt with summarily, unless the prosecutor or person charged elects otherwise. In other words, for Table 1 offences, either the accused or the prosecution can elect to have the matter dealt with on indictment. These offences include reckless wounding or reckless grievous bodily harm, contrary to Section 35 of the Crimes Act, and larceny of property the value of which is greater than $5,000, as well as an offence under Section 25 subsection 1 of the Drug Misuse and Trafficking Act, where the amount of the prohibited drug concerned is more than the applicable indictable quantity, but less than the applicable commercial quantity, as well as a number of other listed offences. Note that if a party elects to have the matter dealt with on indictment, the matter is ordinarily heard in front of the district court. Such a trial involves a jury deciding questions of fact and a judge deciding questions of law, unless the accused elects to have a judge-only trial. The district court is not bound by the two-year jurisdictional limit of the local court. If no election is made for Table 1 or Table 2 offences, then, under Section 261 of the Criminal Procedure Act, the matter is to be dealt with summarily. Fourthly and finally, there are strictly indictable offences. These offences are dealt with outside the summary jurisdiction. In other words, although they might start in the local court for a committal hearing, strictly indictable offences are dealt with in the district or supreme courts. Examples of strictly indictable offences include kidnapping and sexual assault. A person accused of a strictly indictable offence must be provided with the prosecution's brief of evidence before being asked to respond to the charge, whereas summary offences may be dealt with without a full brief being served on the accused. However, under reforms commencing in April 2018, 
the New South Wales Police are able to serve a simplified brief of evidence for strictly indictable matters. This brief must contain all the material that forms the basis of the prosecution case, is relevant to the accused and affects the strength of the prosecution case. However, not all of this evidence is required to be in admissible form when the brief is provided to certify the charge. Aside from having regard to the relevant provisions in the Criminal Procedure Act, it is important that lawyers have regard to practice notes of the various courts. Before outlining the sentencing process, there are two issues that we still need to canvas. The first is the plea of guilty, and the second is charge negotiations. We will dedicate a specific podcast to early guilty pleas. For now, it is important to note that a plea of guilty is an admission by the accused that they have committed the elements of the offence charged. It is not an admission of the non-essential elements of the offence, the facts. If a client pleads not guilty, the matter will be listed for a criminal hearing and the evidence will have to be called to determine if the offence has been proved. If a guilty plea is entered, then the matter proceeds to a sentencing hearing and usually the prosecution will tender agreed facts in relation to the circumstances of the offence. We will examine this aspect in more detail in the following podcasts. In the High Court case, GAS against the Queen, the High Court emphasised the fundamental principle that it is the accused person alone who must decide whether to plead guilty to the charge preferred. That decision must be made freely and in this case it was made with the benefit of legal advice. Once again the judge is not, and in this case was not, involved in the decision. Such a decision is not made with any foreknowledge of the sentence that will be imposed. No doubt it will often be made in light of professional advice as to what might reasonably be expected to happen, but that advice is the responsibility of the accused legal representatives. A client may enter a plea of guilty even though the client believes that they are innocent. For example, they might fear incurring a more severe penalty if they were to plead not guilty or they might also fear the costs and stress of a criminal trial. It depends on the circumstances whether or not this guilty plea will amount to a miscarriage of justice. In some situations, such as where the accused gives evidence at sentencing that contradicts the plea, the court should reject the plea. The second issue is charge negotiations, also known as plea negotiations. Charge negotiations are the process whereby the prosecutor may agree to vary the charges based on negotiations with the defence as to what the accused will plead guilty to. A lawyer should obtain instructions from their client prior to approaching the prosecutor so that they are in a position to suggest whether or not their client would be prepared to accept a plea to a lesser charge. The prosecution may be more willing to accept the plea to a lesser charge if there is insufficient evidence to support the more serious or aggravated charge. For example, there might not be enough evidence to, su to support an intention to inflict grievous bodily harm under Section 33 of the Crimes Act. Therefore, the prosecution might accept a plea to a lesser charge, such as reckless grievous bodily harm under Section 35 of the Crimes Act. The New South Wales Department of Public Prosecution's Prosecutor's Guidelines 
specifically Guideline 20, is relevant to the issue of charge negotiations. Guideline 20 provides, Negotiations between the parties are to be encouraged and may occur at any stage of the progress of a matter through the courts. Charge negotiations must be based on principle and reason, not on expedience alone. Written records of the charge negotiations must be kept in the interests of transparency and probity. Prosecutors are actively to encourage the entering of pleas of guilty to appropriate charges. They should point out the defence to the defence the benefits available pursuant to section 22 of the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act and the case of the Queen against Thompson and the significance of the time at which a plea is entered. They should refer to the section and the judgment where appropriate in submissions to the court. Guideline 20 also provides that a prosecutor may agree to discontinue a charge or charges upon the promise of an accused person to plead guilty to another or other charges. Also, Guideline 20 sets out the following criteria to be applied by the prosecutor to the process of charge negotiation. It states that a plea of guilty in those circumstances may be accepted if the public interest is satisfied after consideration of the following matters. Firstly, the alternative charge adequately reflects the essential criminality of the conduct and the plea provides adequate scope for sentencing. And or secondly, the evidence available to support the prosecution case is weak in any material respect. And or thirdly, it will save a witness, particularly a victim or other vulnerable witnesses, from the stress of testifying in a trial and or a victim has expressed a wish not to proceed with the original charge or charges. The views of the police officer in charge and the victim must be sought at the outset of formal discussions and in any event before any formal position is communicated to the defence and must be recorded on file. In addition to familiarising themselves with Guideline 20, in relation to charge negotiations, criminal defence lawyers should also consider whether there may have been overcharging of the defendant and also whether charges are duplicitous. It may also be necessary to check that the accused has not already been tried and convicted or tried and acquitted of the same conduct, known as autrefois acquit and autrefois convict. Above all, it is necessary to ensure that the charge reflects the criminality of the conduct, and if it does not, to bring this to the prosecutor's attention and negotiate accordingly. The final thing to note are recent amendments which apply from the 30th of April 2018 to all strictly indictable charges and those charges which are subject to an election to be tried by an indictment in the District Court of New South Wales. Under these new reforms, once the brief has been sent to the Department of Public Prosecutions, senior prosecutors must review the matter to ensure that the police have laid the correct charge in accordance with the allegations and also that, in the view of the Department of Public Prosecutions, there is enough evidence to continue with the charge. The senior prosecutor with carriage of the matter will then certify the charge. The DPP has six months from the date on which the charge is laid to certify the charge. 
if this does not occur, the magistrate has a power to allow a further adjournment or to dismiss the charge. The aim of these reforms are to ensure that charges are not withdrawn or amended late in the process, and so that an accused can plead guilty as early as possible. Under these reforms, where the accused does not plead guilty and after the charge certificate has been filed, the prosecution and defence must undergo a case conference to determine whether there are any charges to which the accused person is willing to plead guilty under Section 70 of the Criminal Procedure Act. So that concludes our first podcast on criminal sentencing law which has outlined four different categories of offences, namely summary offences, table one offences, table two offences, and strictly indictable offences, and discuss certain situations in which an accused or the prosecutor may elect to have an indictable matter dealt with either summarily or on indictment. We have also examined what constitutes a guilty plea and issues relevant to plea or charge negotiations. In the next podcast, we will examine what happens after the guilty plea or the criminal hearing where the accused has been found guilty, including the sentencing process for matters in the New South Wales Local Court.